Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm very excited for our episode today. I have Kathy Sikorsky with us to talk about some thing that will be of interest to all of us, which is very directly related to the key value here at Hourly to Exit, which is getting more wealth in the hands of women, because we think that will change the world. And so before I introduce Kathy, I'm going to rattle off a few statistics about why it's so important to get more wealth in the hands of women. So I was reading a recent Forbes article that said that women tend to invest more than 90% of their assets and earnings back into their families for nutrition, education, healthcare, and more. In contrast, men only invest about 44% of their incomes back into their families. Women build wealth to support a broader set of goals for their family, for philanthropy, and for the world. The stats I have on my website, women give twice as much of their wealth to charitable causes than men. They're almost twice as likely to say that the act of donating is the most satisfying part of having wealth. Their financial well-being is influenced by their sense of responsibility for others for their families, for the community, and for society, and that women are nearly twice as likely as men to say that they've discussed philanthropy with their children, which I think is a great stat, so that we're raising a generation of charitable givers. And so, of course, women aren't just generous with their money, they're also generous with their time. And so we are going to talk about that, our role as caregivers, and sometimes perhaps at our own expense. So with that, Kathy, please introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here for so many reasons. To be invited into this room to talk about what I talk about and what I do is very expanding for all of us. And so I'm thrilled to be here to talk about my topic, which is I am an elder lawyer, which means I deal with elder law issues, Medicaid, Medicare, people in nursing homes, Social Security, et cetera, et cetera. But I have done that for well over 30 years, and I have found that actually elder law isn't even, I was a regular lawyer, for want of a better word. Elder law is kind of new, and it's grown with these issues of nursing homes and Medicaid and the cost of care because we're getting older, we're baby boomers, there's more of us. And so it's really kind of a newer field. So maybe 20 years I've been doing it. But what I found, being a caregiver for eight different family members and friends during this period of time, not as my job, but as a person with a big family who needs help and is a the putative expert in the family is that women especially tend to 
put aside their financial well-being in order to, what they think is to create other well-being within the family. And that isn't always the wisest choice. And that isn't always even the necessary choice. They don't even know that there's options out there for them. So I feel like I often have this twofold conversation, like number one, is it going to cost you money to be a caregiver? And number two, is there a way to get paid for doing what you're doing as a caregiver without putting your financial future and well-being into jeopardy? Because it's very likely that the person that you're taking care of, which might be a woman, your mom, your mother-in-law, et cetera, has put herself in financial jeopardy. That's why you're caregiving for her. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of layers to this onion that we could unpeel that could go on for, as you can imagine, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> days, hours, weeks. But the money part is really important. And that's what I actually love about your work, Erin, is quite frankly, it's the money part, right? Mm-hmm. We women have lots of value. We have lots of expertise. We have lots of things that we bring to the table. But for some reason, we forget about the money piece. We do. We undervalue ourselves in so many ways. Yeah. So my experience, my expertise is in the legal part of this and the financial part of it, because there's a huge piece to financial issues and caregiving. And so I educate people. And now I'm moving into corporations and work and financial advisors, et cetera, about the legal and financial need for preparation for everyone properly so that no one gets left behind. Yeah, that's great. So usually, we were talking before we started recording about the diversity of guests that I've had on the podcast. And I will say that typically, I usually know just enough to be dangerous about the topics that they're going to cover. And on this one, I feel fairly out of my depth, even though it is some legal issues, not because I'm unfamiliar with it, but because I've failed so spectacularly in being a caregiver myself. Until very recently, I was one of the sandwich generation with a mother in her late 80s, and I'm a teenager and running a business and running a home as a single woman. And so there are all the things happening. And so you talk about work-life balance, and which I found to be, maybe I don't know what it means. So maybe we'll talk there because I feel like I just haven't quite cracked that nut. So tell me how that, how you look at that. It's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I look at it. (laughs) However, we can get better at it if we pay attention to resources that are available to us to help us do better for ourselves and our loved ones. Okay. So there's lots of people doing this caregiving thing. There's people like us who work for ourselves, right? And so when we step out of the workforce, we're stepping out of our own work and our own responsibilities and maybe not taking on as many clients and et cetera, et cetera. But there is the whole, this 53 million of unpaid family caregivers are not unpaid people. They're workers. They're working at jobs where they actually go to work. And when I say go to work, I just mean maybe they're working from home, but they have time where they're putting in at work. And so to educate our audience about very simplistically, let's start with the basics. You need to be a caregiver. You need legal things in place. You need to have powers of attorney. You need to have financial powers of attorney and healthcare powers of attorney. These are the 30 second definition. It is a document. 
that you sign that gives the authority to someone else to act as if they are you in every possible capacity, either with their finances or their health care. Super powerful document. You're giving someone a great amount of authority. But if they are incapacitated, whether it be temporarily or permanently, they need someone to take care of their affairs for them. And that's what everybody needs. And everyone 18 years of age or older in this country should have one because anybody can get hit by a bus tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And you may not be able to handle your affairs, whatever that means, right? They get more complex as a document as you get more assets, as you get more responsibilities or whatever. And so I'm just saying that the concept of a power of attorney is very, very often missed until it's very late in the game. Oh my God, mom is really sick. She's in the nursing home. She's in the hospital. I need nobody will let me do anything. I can't move her money around. I can't pay her bills because I don't have power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you know that somebody you love, you're going to have to care for, or you're helping them, make sure you have those documents. You got to have them. And everybody talks about a will. They're great. I love wills. Yeah, they're great. But actually, in my world, wills are like the least important thing mm-hmm. because powers of attorney are for live people who are sick and wills are for dead people. It's that simple right? Mm -hmm. And then in between that little niche is something that we talk about living wills and advanced directives, which is if someone is in a permanent vegetative state, what do they want me to do? Mm -hmm. And in the vernacular, it's, do you want me to pull the plug or not pull the plug? Really, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So you got to have this conversation with your loved one and you got to have a piece of paper that says so. And not honestly, not because that piece of paper is so great in a hospital setting, It's because I am one of seven children. If my mom, 90-year-old mom, who is a hoot and a half right now, and go on TikTok and look me up, you'll see Mm -hmm. the two of us. We have a lot of fun together. But if she goes in the hospital, all these kids are coming in with all their spouses and all their grandchildren and some of their great-grandchildren. We'll have 56 people in a room trying to decide what do we do with mom? She's in a permanent vegetative state, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want that. I got a piece of paper that mom signed that says this is what we're going to do. And I say, I might not even do this, but this is what mom said. And so this is what we're going to do. It takes the decider off the hook. So that's your basic stuff, right? That does not address at all the work-life balance issue and the difficulty of the cost of care. Obviously, not just financially, but physically, emotionally, whatever. For people like you and I who have their own business, we don't have someone that's going to give us paid time off or family and medical leave, or stuff like that. It doesn't mean there's not resources out there for us, but it does mean that it's a little bit harder for us. But here's two things right off the top of my head. Get paid. If your mom has assets and she would pay a complete stranger to come in and take care of her, she can pay you the same $25 an hour to pay you. Get a contract signed, preferably with a lawyer's approval so it looks like you're not self-dealing and get paid. It might not be, you might earn $250 an hour. So it's not going to make up for that, but it keeps you in the social security and 1099 yourself, by the way, keeps you in the social security loop. It keeps you in the social security disability loop. You're still getting paid, right? Wow. Okay. Hey everyone, a quick word from our sponsor, Think Beyond IP. Think Beyond IP helps your professional services firm build the essential legal and strategic foundation required to confidently scale your business by developing, protecting, and leveraging intellectual property assets. You can find us at thinkbeyondip.com. 
Now, back to the show. So would you put this in place at the same time that you're putting together the other? Because otherwise, like, let's say they're already incapacitated, sure. can't enter this agreement. Why not? So, of okay. course. Okay. Why not? You don't have to take the money right away. But mm-hmm. honestly, the other thing I say is if you really don't need the money, take it anyway. Because two things. Number one, put it in your IRA. Mm-hmm. You're losing time to create wealth for you in your future in case this happens to you. Right. So if you really don't need 20, put it in your IRA. Mm-hmm. Right. And secondly, it is a way for you to put everyone on notice that I am working here. Mm-hmm. Somebody said something to me very interesting yesterday. She said, me and my sister, my mom got very sick very quickly. They were in their 30s. They weren't prepared. Their dad was living, but they came in to do the hands-on. And she said, the saddest part for me was we spent so much time being caregivers. We didn't spend time with my mom as daughters while she was dying. Mm-hmm. Oh God, this is really, it hurt. It breaks my heart, right? That they couldn't be in the relationship of mom and daughter because they had to call the doctor. They had to make sure the hospice was coming. They had to give her a sponge bath. If somebody had put other money in place, that's the second thing, long-term care insurance. Mm -hmm. If you can afford that, Mm -hmm. and if you're young, you can really afford it. If you put that in place, it lets your family be your family. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And honestly, if they have to work for you, they can get paid out of that kind of a product too, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole raft of organizations that have come about in the last few years because Medicaid has allowed them to pay family members, Mm -hmm. never spouses, Mm -hmm. but other family members. And Mm -hmm. you may very well, if your person is not a person of assets or means, they may qualify for a Medicaid benefit and you can literally work for them and you get paid. Wow. So what if you have a niece who is in college mm-hmm. and can do this part time? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have to get ourselves out of the mindset that this is a gift that we give to our loved ones, that we make the supreme sacrifice of giving up every other asset or financial thing that we have in order to take care of mom. Because mm-hmm. I'm not saying you don't need to take care of mom. That's wonderful if you can. But money isn't the problem here, isn't the evil one here. Mm-hmm. There's lots of ways to transfer the money so that, as I've said three times now, you aren't mom 30 years from now with no right. money, right. especially if there's no one to take care of you. Right. That is scary. You so, said a couple of things that I want to just back up okay. and I'm just relate my personal experience, frankly. One was about the advanced directives, the medical directives. And if your loved one is in a vegetative state or something, one of the things that's happened with COVID and that what happened with my mother is that they are in the hospital and they are awake, aware, you can talk to them, but you can't be alone with them. At least they couldn't at the time, I don't know, things have changed. And you're not allowed to discuss their care. Like her doctors would not allow me to ask her, what do you want me to do? And so there can be circumstances where you have someone who, where there's for me, there was a circumstance of what do I do while she's deteriorating, but still here. <laughs> so and, yeah. Yeah. And not wanting to miss that window of being able to be with her. Well, of course, the first side is, is it'd be great if we have these conversations beforehand, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you can, if you're hearing this mm-hmm. and you can, it's hard, but you got to go sit down. Honestly, 12 conversations, my book that tells you how to have some of these conversations, mm-hmm. right? 
You got to have the conversations. And if you can, and you're fortunate enough to be able to do that now, do that. But you're telling us a different story. You're saying, here we are in the crisis. I can't talk to her about this. The doctors won't let me, which is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I don't even understand what that means. But they said, well, I could not ask her for her opinion. Like, you have to make the decision. You can't do that. It wouldn't, they didn't consider her to be able to contribute, even though you could talk to her and ask her how she, you know, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> wait till they leave the room. <laughs> well, they wouldn't let me in the room. <laughs> Practical solutions are sometimes better than any anyone. But I guess that's where family history comes into play, right? I mean, it's your mom. And I mm-hmm. hope that you know your mom well enough to know you're going to have to make a decision mm-hmm. based on what you know about her in terms mm-hmm. of history. I will tell you, that being this caregiver for eight different family members and friends, yes, I've had to make some tough decisions. And yes, I still live with some regrets. Not even to tell you, oh, I made the wrong decision, but did I make the right decision? It's more of a question about that, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I honestly think that's a case for therapy. (laughs) (laughs) It was. (laughs) Right? I mean, to be honest with you, that's where I would have to resolve that because Mm -hmm. even if you've had all the conversations, you've got all the paperwork, you did all the right things, crisis is crisis Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to make decisions and you're going to second guess yourself later, if not in the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's part of it. And I will tell you the beauty of so much attention being given to caregiving now. And it's taken a long time. Do you know, Erin, I looked up yesterday because I was quoting her. Rosalind Carter started the Institute for Caregivers in 1987. Wow. 35 years. This woman, and she's still alive, as you may know, is is still (laughs) fighting for the rights of caregivers and caregiving families. But the thing, because there's so much now, so many organizations, right. so much. one of the things that there's so much support about, okay, you're going to feel bad. You're going to have regrets. You're going to have guilt. You're going to have all of those things. I would say, so the answer is, since we're talking about it, prepare as much as you can, do the best you can. It's kind of like raising children, isn't it? And talk to a therapist after <laughs> it's over. <laughs> That is fair. That is fair. (laughs) Now, the other piece of that was after my mother passed and I am the executor of her will. And I felt and I kind of feel this way. I'm thinking about that. This with my kid is that being the executor kind of has interfered with my grief process. Which is exactly what these daughters were saying to me yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what are the options for people don't think of anyone else being able to do this for them? What are the options if you're not a rich person? You know, the thing is, often the person making the will thinks this is some kind of a gift or an honor that they're giving to let someone be their executor. It is a dubious honor at best. (laughs) The business of death is horrible. Mm -hmm. The business of death. The only good redeeming quality, in my opinion, about the business of death is, quite frankly, keeps you so busy that it tamps down your grief until you have a chance to sit in it Mm -hmm. in a whole way, right? Mm -hmm. So that may have some value Mm -hmm. because you got to do some things. I mean, nobody who knows the job ever wants the job. Mm -hmm. But I would say that if you are in a position and you are working with a family member and they have decided you're going to be this person and you know you don't want this because you're the caregiver, 
encourage them to choose someone else, someone who the business part won't be daunting to them. It won't be emotional to them. Now, in your case, maybe you didn't have anyone. If you're an only child or if your adult child isn't adult enough yet, they mm-hmm. can't do it, right? That kind of a thing. I will tell you, you're probably not going to like this answer, but I don't like sharing that job. Mm-hmm. Having two people have the job sounds like the divide and conquer, but more that's more of a problem than anything. Mm-hmm. And you having done it, you would probably understand having to sign papers, having to be available to go through documents, whatever. If you need someone else, and they live in another state, or they have a busy life, just Mm -hmm. like you, that's going to extend this torture longer Mm -hmm. than it needs to be done. So I don't like that. And the third thing I want to say about this, because it's really important, because old people love to make their oldest child the executor, or their son. (laughs) Now, they live in Virginia. Youngest only daughter. (laughs) They live in Virginia, like you do, let's say, and their son lives in Seattle, Mm -hmm. and they're going to pick their son who's in Seattle. And I'm like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. I really, really don't recommend this. Mm -hmm. It's not a good idea. You've got to pick someone who's here, where the estate is, where the physical need to do the paperwork is. And I know we do a lot of things online now, but trust me, it's better to be where your stuff is. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, yeah. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to veer a little left. Sure. Which is just talk about work and caregiving, where people who work in corporate America. Mm -hmm. You have so many things available to you that you don't even know about. For instance, you probably have legal benefits. But you haven't thought about it in terms of a power of attorney or powers of attorney for your parents. You think about it if you have a DUI or if you have an accident, you need to get a lawyer. That's a really, as I told you, the critical piece. If you have legal benefits, use them for this part, for the caregiving part. You can use it for a family member? Well, this maybe not, but I haven't met a lawyer yet who is going to say, no, 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 I don't want to do any work for anybody else in your family. Oh, yeah. You say... I'm going to come in, I'm going to bring my parents in, and would you mind giving us the same wonderful 20% off or whatever that you're giving me? And then I'm going to tell my brother and sister, it's probably not for your family members, but lawyers don't turn business away. We're not in the business of doing that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We want clients. Boy, do we want families. That's even better. So use your legal benefits. Yes, use it for your parents in whatever fashion you can. Check out long-term care insurance. Do you have that at work? Mm-hmm. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Just at least look at it. When my husband had it many years ago, you could buy it for your parents. How cool is that? Mm. And it's coming back in a big really? way as a corporate okay. benefit. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the C-suite, you can deduct that premium as a deductible either. I don't know if it's a health cost or business cost, but it's a deductible cost. Mm-hmm. So you know, it may be available for people who are self-employed or have... So that's one right there, long-term care insurance, and then a deduction of the premium. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect example of so that. So the business you pay for it. And then yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And also, obviously, in a work where you have paid time off and you have FMLA and all of those things, you can use them appropriately for caregiving and caregiving for the people. It used to be it could only be your spouse, and now they've expanded it to your parents. And I think they've even expanded it more to other family members. So mm-hmm. check that out at work. And then you have EAPs with a mental health. Mental health is a big deal right now. It's everywhere. We're all going to pay for mental health. Well, if nothing's going to give you more mental health stress than caregiving, I don't know what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Use that. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of it. Just because you don't feel like you're losing your mind, but you know you're under extra stress, doesn't mean you shouldn't be using a mental health benefit. Mm-hmm. So- yeah. That's, and a lot of it is kind of delayed kind of reaction. It is. In it, you're just in it. It's almost 
like survival. And people are just very unschooled about what they have at work that would be helpful in this kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you have your own, you know, I am a solopreneur and I have health insurance and through it, I do have mental health benefits. And so solopreneurs hopefully have that element within their insurance as well. Yeah. So tell me like all this costs money. Are there strategies for how people who are, this audience is primarily founders of service-based businesses, how they can be I mean, strategies for them to help access and pay for these types of services? So, yes, it's almost always going to depend on whether you're, the person you're caring for has means or doesn't have means, all right? So if they have means, they're going to have to use their own money. But again, let them pay you. Even if you're bringing in caregivers at $25 an hour, you should still get paid for your work. Mm -hmm. Your time should be paid time. Okay? Mm -hmm. Get paid. Mm -hmm. $10.99. So let's say your parents are people of assets. Then if their assets are going to be used to pay for their care, that's typical. And also ask and find out if they have long-term care policies. I didn't find out. I was thinking my brother had MS, the worst kind. Very, very incapacitated for a long time. Three, four, five years into it, I found out he had a long-term care policy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we got it. Finally, we got all the benefits. It was wonderful. But (laughs) like, where was that? Mm -hmm. So look through your loved one's papers because often they don't even know what they have, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a place where money lies. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they have life insurance that has a long-term care rider. That's a place where money lies. Mm -hmm. Often they have bought that and they forgot about it or they don't know how to start it. They don't know how to implement it, right? Mm -hmm. Annuities often have this thing. They're called hybrid policies now. A lot of people are buying these hybrid policies that are long-term care policy riders attached to a life insurance benefit. So pay Mm -hmm. attention to that if you're a solopreneur and you're taking care of a loved one or if you want to do it for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. There's lots of ways Mm -hmm. to protect yourself for a long-term care event. Then there's these agencies. If you're a person without assets, Medicaid actually has ways for you to get paid. Also, your state will have things called a waiver program. That's what it's called. I don't know why, but that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and if your loved one is staying home, they are entitled to benefits to allow someone to help care for them. And that's a way for you to also get paid without going through an agency, just a person who's caring for them and they qualify for Medicaid. That you almost always have to do either through an elder lawyer, which would be great. Or the area of agency on aging. Mm-hmm. Everyone has one yeah. somewhere and it's called something. Sometimes it's yeah, it's called yeah. something yeah. like that. But there are, every state has them. Every county has them. Everybody's mm-hmm. got them. And that's where you would get guidance on where the money lies. So there's money. Mm-hmm. Now, Hal, you mentioned eight, you've been caring over to eight people. Is this True story. Simultaneously. Yeah. Sometimes. How did you do this? Sometimes. So it started out with my grandmother who was 92 and came to live with me and my two-year-old at the same time. So talk about a sandwich, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those two just loved ganging up on me. They thought it was hilarious (laughs) to be living this life of chaos, (laughs) of chaos. And then I had several great aunt, my mother-in-law, my brother-in-law that I told you about MS. While I was the primary caregiver for my brother-in-law who had MS, my very best friend fell down a flight of stairs and had a traumatic brain injury. And her husband of 34 years, left her and she only had friends. Her children lived on the other side of the country. And so I became her primary caregiver. And then her, our other friends also stepped up. So it was simultaneous and all the while being a solopreneur, right? So I'm not going to lie. My business slowed down very dramatically, mm-hmm. but I'm also not going to lie and say that that wasn't 
the key and the impetus to create what I do now. So there's the gift, right? I see what's happening. And yeah, it was hard. Yeah, it was hard. I spent a lot of time taking care of my kids and my family members and my friend because I could. And I will tell you, I have an amazing, awesome husband Mm -hmm. who was more than willing to let me be that person. Mm -hmm. That's probably the biggest key. Yeah. And you said work-life balance does not exist. What's the closest (laughs) thing that comes to it? Like what? How do we protect ourselves? If you wait long enough, it comes around. (laughs) (laughs) The closest thing that comes to it is recognizing that you have to put yourself first sometimes and not when you're dead and not when you're exhausted and not when you're yelling at everyone because you've just burnt out that you have to figure out what that is. So my calendar has a workout in it four days a week, right? And that is sacred time. Nobody gets that hour except my trainer who I hate. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that, right? And if it's only a half hour because you have, there was a time when I had a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old and I was taking them to practice and my husband was a traveling salesman. So, right, Larry, my brother-in-law is five miles from me in an independent living, but his wheelchair broke down. He can't get anywhere. I have to find. So yes, if it's a half hour, I'm going to read this book and nobody's going to talk to me every night from nine to nine 30, go away, whatever it is. And then it's a bigger thing. Like those mental health things. Like you've got to not be a martyr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing where they tell you to put your mask on before you, and the, if the oxygen goes out in the plane. <laughs> but my mom has given me such great martyr lessons. It's really hard to let that influence go. And if she heard me, she'd be like, okay, she don't hear me. She's right down the street. <laughs> well, she gave you those great genes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So that's how you get more balance is mm-hmm. by, by, shove it in that calendar. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, like everything, right, Erin, life just sort of balances out. Mm-hmm. But I just don't want you to be destitute at the end of it. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't want. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, if it's, let's say you're in your 50s and you've been letting all these things, then what? So you mean like you don't have long-term care insurance and you don't have, so look it up. I mean, at least look, pretending that you can't have it Oh, God, is this like the biggest thing that you do, right, in your work outside of what we're talking about? But pretending that you can't have it because you don't do any homework about what that actually means mm-hmm. is the biggest disservice you can do to yourself. Just look it up. See what's out there. See what you have. Talk to a professional who says, okay, I see you have four life insurance policies here. Why? Maybe we can consolidate them and make sure there's a long-term care rider to that. So now you're protected. And mm-hmm. do this one-time thing and get your documents in order. Okay. You're mm-hmm. done. Great job. Mm-hmm. Mommy's proud. Yeah. 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 I will say I'm one of the people who's, you know, done so many things online without kind of that intermediary professional, like a broker for insurance or even for travel. We kind of are used to doing things on our own, but there are still insurance brokers in the world. <laughs> we are. And I believe these are complex. This isn't just life insurance. This is a complex situation. And I really believe just like lawyers, You can, I'm going to tell you right up front, you can go online and type in power of attorney and something will come up. I'm not going to ever tell you to do that. You can do it for your 18 year old because you'll get a standard document and they don't own anything. So who cares, right? 
But if you have an IRA, if you have somebody you need that you're worrying about who to be in charge of, I think that's a conversation with a professional. What kind of powers do I really want them to have? What kind of authority do I really want this person to have? How much am I going to let them into my stuff or not into my stuff or whatever? I don't recommend that you do that online. However, if it is absolutely impossible for you to, and all lawyers aren't ridiculously outrageously expensive. Don't think that either because it's not a true story. Also not a true story. You might end up costing yourself more money by doing the wrong thing than by spending some money up front and doing the right thing. Let me bring up another point. Like say you are not married and you need to find someone to be the- Your person. Uh, yeah, to your person. Like what should we be looking for? In- okay. So it has to be a person that you trust, that you really, truly trust, that is going to, because in this scenario, you can't, you're incapacitated and it could be temporary, but you're incapacitated. Now, I will say that anybody who takes on the job as a power of attorney is by law a fiduciary, right? So by law, they are going to be looked at if they steal from you, whatever, but you don't want that. You don't want to deal with that. So you want someone who you can trust. You want someone who's probably financially savvy on the financial side. And that might not be the same person. Maybe you want two people, someone who's much more savvy or compassionate on the healthcare side. Don't pull the plug. I'm having an appendectomy. What is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Just because I don't think my brother listens to this, that he's the financial power attorney, but somebody else, the medical power attorney. Yes. Yes. And I agree for people and Florida, I'm in Pennsylvania. So I am only licensed to practice law here. But I will tell you that Florida has apparently, I got a lot of friends in Florida, there's some weird thing in their laws that says if your executor has to be a blood relative. Hmm. I know. And I didn't believe my friend when she told me that. I'm like, that can't be true, but mm-hmm. it's true. So what if you don't have any blood relatives? Right, exactly. <laughs> or what if you don't like them? Right, or you haven't talked to them, yeah, in 30 years. Yeah. But yeah. So a person that you trust and a person that has knowledge and capability even if it's just for a temporary time, is the person you, and you should talk to them first and say, Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you if something happens to be this person, Mm -hmm. will you do that for me? Yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't want it to be a surprise. Oh, no. Not a good idea. Because it can be a fair amount of work. Yes. So this is the Hourly to Exit podcast. And we talk about building a scalable and saleable business. And so in the context of that, for our solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, where does this fit in to making sure they're building a solid, sustainable business? So here's the thing. If you're working on a solid, sustainable business right now, what do you have in place in case something happens to you? Even if it's temporary, what happens if you have to step out for three months or six months because you got hit by a car, right? What do you have in place? That's what Kathy is trying to get you to do. Mm-hmm. Put something in place to give you the peace of mind so that what Aaron has done, which has helped you build this business that will sustain itself while you're healing, right? That's going to keep going and you're going to be over here and all your documents and everything is in place and you don't have to worry about crisis planning. Mm-hmm. So these two professionals sitting at this table now talking to you have just given you peace of mind. Yeah, yeah. So few people think about that nobody thinks they're going to get hit by a bus or get long COVID or whatever it is. Right. Function. Yeah. It's all sort right. of, yeah. I mean, it could be as, I don't want to say simple as long COVID it could, because that's not simple, but it could be as like, nobody sees it, but you right. I'm exhausted. It's like mono, right? I can do two hours of work today and then I am done. 
I am done. I cannot do one more minute. And I need someone to do my banking. I need someone to go get my car serviced. I need someone, somebody who has authority to do that. Just go do that. Yeah. Peace of mind. Yeah. So smart. So I typically don't have lawyers on, but I will ask, are you building your business with an eye towards selling it someday? Well, I'm not building my legal business. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I'm actually more your client than Mm -hmm. I am a lawyer because you can see I got three books behind me. I've written three books and my really work life is speaking to groups, speaking to ideally large corporations who will bring in their employees to talk about these kinds of issues, but also about what the employer can do for them when this caregiving thing affects them as a worker, right? So I'm a speaker. I'm a speaker and a writer more than I am a lawyer. Um, but family and friends, you know, there's eight different family members and friends. Well, there's lots more of them around. It's really the cottage industry you have there, basically. Right. Well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that. So as we wrap up, three final things. One, the goal of my podcast and my consulting business is to help create a more equitable economy, one that works for more of us. And so I'd love for people to share a personal organization who's doing work in that space that they'd like the audience to find out more about. My favorite, I'm on the board of something called Nancy's House. And Nancy's House breaks the isolation of caregiving. Mm-hmm. And what we do is, although we have lots of small programs that you can join in, through Facebook, the Facebook group, just look up Nancy's house and you can come in for group counseling twice a month. That's free. We have our main mission is to break this isolation by having retreats that are usually three days long, three days, two nights in a five-star bed and breakfast where we provide counseling, yoga, massages, and there's only 10 people. Mm -hmm. So you actually build a community right there of people who understand what you're going through. It is a wonderful, wonderful organization. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you for that. And so is there something exciting happening in your business or something new that you'd like to tell us about or an offer for the audience that you'd like to share? Well, I always offer this to any audience. You can contact me. I'm sure we're going to give you it in the notes. Yes, but Kathy.Sikorsky at gmail.com. And I will talk to you for half hour about anything you want to talk about. We can talk about my earrings. We can talk about caregiving. Wow. We can talk about, le- but I will talk to you hopefully about these important issues. If mm-hmm. you have any questions, as I said, I'm only licensed in Pennsylvania, but I can give you some general guidance. And if you have any real personal questions about caregiving or whatever, Yes, you get 30 minutes of my time. Wonderful. That is so generous. Thank you. And so finally, where can people find you in addition to your website, which you just shared? Are there any other places you hang out online that we can find? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Just Google me, honestly. I'm like the first four pages <laughs> under my name. If you can type Kathy Sikorsky, you will see everything that I am doing. I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I love connecting with people in all kinds of work on LinkedIn because caregiving touches everyone. So connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on Amazon for my books. So just type in my name again, and you will see lots of things that I'm doing in terms of writing articles for people and on podcasts. And yeah, I'm everywhere. Thank you so much. You've been incredibly generous with your time and your wisdom. Much appreciated. Erin, thank you so much for having me. I think this is such an important conversation and I'm so honored that you recognize that as well. So I really, truly appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe, and I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.